my fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. That's right, everybody. I'm back. I'm better than ever after a quick hiatus. And let's get to it. My name is Matt Brown. Go ahead. Make my day. And let's start the show. Steve Summers. Sports Radio 66. Well, it's a good evening to you and how you be at 6.30 and 15 seconds running out on the fan, New York City. Steve Summers here and you there. everybody the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is monday november 15th 2021 and we have quite the wholesome and intelligent conversation for you and a podcast you will enjoy across all the airwaves across all podcasts and platforms and across the great site of youtube seriously what a great show we have for you before we get into the fun i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on productive conversations podcast.com and don't forget to check us out in the world of social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast we're on twitter at prod convo pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations and yeah we have a lot of fun in store today. As we heard right before this show began, the great Steve Summers was featured in our intro today. He officially retires today after 34 amazing years on WFAN. And like many other people who grew up, who's who have lived in the tri-state area and who's listened to WFAN, Steve Summers is an integral part of enjoying sports in New York over the past well 35 years uh you know past what let's say 20 years for me uh listening as a young boy like many other people who listen to the fan young because the father because our fathers put on wfan throughout our childhood whether you started with your don imus and then you had of course the mike and the mad dog the legends themselves two people on this podcast wall i'm sorry on the wall of this podcast studio and you know obviously a major part of my life really like in the mad dog and then in the evening times you had the schmooze literally the smoothest voice to ever go across the airwaves of new york radio and you know bittersweet to hear that the great schmooze is moving on to the next chapter and he is retiring and i just want to say i love steve summers dearly i again listen to him up until now i'm about to be 27 uh, shit in six weeks and yeah i heard him all the way up until this point you know after games me and my dad would hear him after yankee games after going to nick games uh, met games you name it you heard you put on the smooths after the post game report and he reflected on the either joy or madness that took place 
the day or night of and we just really appreciated him you know listening to steve summers um after bar nights is was always a great time if he was on and um you know after the litness it's nice to hear one of the coolest voices ever you know literally put you to bed and we're gonna miss him dearly he is pretty much the last of the OGs of all the original WFAN big time anchors. And yeah, it's a whole new generation. And as we honor them on my podcasting wall and with the people like Boomer and Geo, Carden and Roberts, uh, Moose and Maggie, Sal Akata, the new Keith McPherson, a former podcaster himself, now being a radio guy, WFAN. It's uh, really a new generation of things taking place. And well, it's funny and fitting that Steve Summers is the last one, and we're going to miss him dearly. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the wonderful nights, and how, thank you for helping us get through a lot of crazy things in the world of sports and life and all of that. Steve Summers, salute to you, my friend. Um, thank you for the memories. And yeah, so after that, I was gone last week. I took the week off, and if you saw my report, my uh, messages on social media, I had to go do a lot of big adulting things and making moves, though I cannot announce to you yet what those big moves are, as we are still actually um, doing the finishing touches of these big moves I'm referring to. All I will say is that a new chapter in my life is going to be starting very soon. And yeah, it's uh, quite insane and something to get ready for. But once things are official, of course, I will be announcing it. And don't you worry. This podcast is going nowhere despite my big moves in life, and um, I'll always be making shows for you, the greatest listeners and fans in the world. I just needed to take a week off to settle some things, and um, after we were very productive throughout this week, we're now back on the Productive Conversations podcast. We will have a show today. We will have a show on Thursday as scheduled. Then we're going to take another week off for the Thanksgiving break, and then we will have consecutive shows throughout the final month of the year in December and we will begin 2022 with great shows throughout as we reflect on the year that was as we take in the great memories that we have um experience the tough lessons we had to learn 2021 has been quite the year and as we on the brink of some big moves in my personal life we just are going to keep growing this amazing show and audience known as the productive conversations podcast and again like i said we can't do it without you and please continue to join us on this journey it's going to be a lot of fun for all of us i appreciate you all so in the world of sports, you have the Jets uh, being really, really atrocious, back to normal. Mike White is not the guy. The defense is, keeps getting slaughtered with 30-plus point games for the last four weeks. And, <laughs> woo! Then you have Yankees hot stove heating up. You have NBA um, really taking their season in. NHL's been quite interesting. That's what's going on in the world of sports. Uh, we have a new mayor in New York City coming in with Eric Adams, which should bring a nice spark in the city, um, which is what it definitely needs. The holiday season is upon us. Thanksgiving is a week away, and my goodness, there's so much to be thankful for and so much to be productive with. And speaking of productive things, my productive conversations today is 
is going to be one of the more wholesome and intelligent conversations with a lot of laughs and profound moments. And who's my guest to perform all of these great tasks? We have Jeff Severino coming on the podcast today. NASA's own, yes, that's right, NASA's own Jeff Severino is coming on the show today to talk to me how he went from the Bronx, New York, to the University of Hartford, to working at a research center for NASA and literally becoming a rocket scientist. We're going to talk about the obstacles he overcame, the how did this genius brain get focused in and got him to, you know, NASA. And we also talk about a lot of other great and deep things like how it is how important it is to teach yourself things. The media landscape taking place right now. We talk about Odell Beckham going to the Los Angeles Rams as well. So yeah, we're going to be genre hopping. We're going to be sitting back and relaxing. But all in all, my conversation with the great Jeff Severino is a dope one. We're literally going to be talking to a rocket scientist, but yet we are going to be going out of this world with one of the best productive conversations podcast episodes of the year. So why don't we get into it right away? Let's learn about how this man became who he is. How did you get to NASA and how did you become you? So we're going to really enjoy this podcast. Let's get to it. Jeff Severino, it's your turn. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. episodes of this podcast after our hiatus we're bringing back an incredible per we're bringing back the show with one incredible human being one of the smartest dudes i know one of the most humble and this guy knows how to combine entertainment and information so let's enjoy this everybody nasa's own jeffrey severino jeff severino bro what's up jeff the crowd goes crazy. What's going on? Oh, man, we're happy to have you. Me and Jeff go way back from the University of Hartford days in that Theta Chi fraternity. They've been great friends ever since, man. Let me ask, how are you doing on this fine day in November? Well, it's windy in Cleveland. I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm just trying to enjoy the week. This mm-hmm. week has been a little bit crazy for me. I got bit by a dog yesterday. Got bit by a dog for doing, yeah, doing what? Just walking him. Uh, he was having a bad day, and perhaps I was just trying to get him to be too happy. And ultimately speaking, that was a you know a learning experience. You know, I've, I'm you know avid lover of dogs. I feel like you need to adopt, never shop. Always try to get a, an adopt rescue dog. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's about a million dogs euthanized every year that I always try. Oh. That always reaches re- 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 a place in my heart, you know, because mm-hmm. you know I feel like it's kind of cliche, but all dogs do go to heaven, you know. And I right. think is while we're on Earth, they kind of can teach us about a little bit about ourselves, you know. And yeah. With that being said, you know, I just try to be there for my guy Iggy, and we're going we're gonna get through this together. You know what I mean? We're gonna get through this together as we are about to enjoy this incredible podcast together, Jeff. To start it off, this is a special one, and um, we're even bringing out some of the special adult beverages out for this. And I'm. 
because uh, you're one of my great friends in this world and I'm bringing out one of the great drinks in this world, one of the great spirits. So first, you just sip it off something. What are you sipping on? So I got this Christmas porter. Christmas porter. Yeah, this is a it it was it's called Alpha Claus. It's a Mm -hmm. homebrew in Ohio and it's a Christmas style porter you know usually there's a big this is a big thing in cleveland um, we have christmas ale so i've been i was trying to give it a try and it's more of like a um how should i say if i were to describe notes i would say like chocolate kind mm-hmm. of you know if, to those who are like guinness it's kind of more the guinness kind of okay line of beers you know but you know it's not my usual go-to but it's christmas time i gotta enjoy the christmas you know i always put the decorations before thanksgiving so might as well start celebrating now you're right what a world we live in now that uh there's only two months of fall not even six weeks of fall half of september october that is christmas time already <laughs> Society, any way to get that bread? Shouts to the marketing agencies have made that happen. But what I will be celebrating this podcast with, yeah, what you a special glass, as everyone knows, I am okay. quite the mixologist, not a bartender yet, but a mixologist. That's what I heard, bro. Drinks. I heard you got the little. Yo, what's good? Well, what's your, where's your Tumblr skills at? What's oh, going my, on? Let me my Tumblr skills. Got? Somebody, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't be on the <laughs> social media, but I heard through the grapevine. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, out here. So what's good? Let me see. People are talking. So didn't make a cocktail for this, but I'm bringing out one of my special bottles. I only okay. take it out. Um, I only take it out for pleasure. If I am going to make a uh, cocktail, it's going to be a very special one. It's an Irish whiskey. It's the best tasting alcohol out there. Pure spirit, in my opinion, next to maybe um, coconut rum. That's good. But this this is a special shit. We got some JMO for you today. Yeah, yo, that's your go-to vibe. That's my go yo. for a very special occasions. Not all the time. My go-to vibe probably is a Jack Daniels, but this is a Jameson. Mm, this is the bartender's wa- uh, whiskey of choice, an Irish whiskey. And I mean, of course, we're celebrating it goes, that. It goes well with a bunch of things, you know. What I mean, and so, honestly, it's like when you have one have a nice baseline. That Jameson, a great bass song. I wrote some nice songs uh, on on Jigga some Jameson, and I called <laughs> the song Two Roads." Actually, that's and shout out to, to is it Stanford? Stafford. Let me get this right. Hold on. <laughs> don't want to don't want to get you know disrespect CT out here. Hold on. In in Stratford, Connecticut, you mean? Thank you, Stratford. Shout out to Stratford. Two Roads. House is Stratford. So Jeff, let's take a toast. Let's get this right. Creating content and catching up anyways. Cheers to that. And shouts to all our veterans today as we're recording on Veterans Day. Veterans Day. That tastes so amazing. Not one bite. Not eh. Just that's you, bro. I don't know how you do it, bro. But you know, honestly, (laughs) if you drink Jameson with cranberry juice or you drink Jameson with Fresca or whatever. Or Coke. Or you whatever make- it is, however you can have it with some, you know, really outrageous combination. I think what's most important is however you like to enjoy yourself is how you like to enjoy yourself. Exactly. Don't let anybody tell you how to drink your drink. Just be careful out there. You know, drink responsibly. Yes, most importantly. But at the same don't time, don't drink and drive know, too. Don't drink and drive. Obviously, you know. With that being said, I think it's super important that. We embrace our individuality. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot, of, especially when we were in college, a lot of people were 
hyping up whatever we were drinking instead of just thinking about, hey, we're having a good time with each other and there is drinks involved. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that when it comes to creating memories. Why do you think we're, you know, especially our society now, it's a tough world. It really is. I mean, we're at the tail end of a pandemic, but we're still in it. Uh, Political tensions have rise. It seems if you don't agree on certain issues with someone, you should be ousted. Jeff, what do you think led society to have so much animosity? Oh, my goodness. That's such a good question. Um, and I have this conversation with many people. This is a very deep first co- first question to start off with. But you know it. Into, you know, let's, oh, let's rip, off, rip, rip open the womb. Mm-hmm. I honestly think one of the biggest disparities in this country is wealth. Mm. And I, I think a lot of the other disparities that arise are not a distractor from the main disparity, but mm-hmm. is adding on layers as if it was like this big onion, like James the Giant Onion instead of James, James the Giant. Because right? <laughs> like, obviously, if you come from the Midwest, you have certain energy issues. Yeah. But even then, I could go down the laundry list with the different geographic locations. And I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but the idea is that the United States of America is massive. It really is. It's massive. So when you think about all the walks in life in America, here's a starting line. Mm-hmm. Some people start ahead and some people start on the starting line. Some people start behind. Yes, we are born in different positions. And I think that it, part of that is the American race. That and But what is the finish line? I guess the question is, is there really ever a finish line? So yeah. Then, what is the American dream, right? So then it kind of goes it, that it gets to a bigger question as to you know when our parents, parents, our parents, 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 or parents came to this country striving for more. Mm-hmm. What is more, and what were they looking for? And I think a part of that has to do with our central identity. Yeah, and I it, think. Sorry, what were you saying? I agree with the central identity and where you come from and whether you embrace it or not, and whether you decide to learn from it or not. At the end of the day, we like to blame society on our problems, but it's true. I used to think it was me versus the world, but it really is me versus me. And more to that point, you know, I think the problem is that we live in to go back to the answer to your question. We live more in an enclosed society but i shouldn't like i guess nowadays you can get information from where you want to not necessarily back in the old days where everyone wants it like channel seven mm-hmm. or the newspaper that. right like everyone had the same common source of information but nowadays the skew of information plus the diversity of where we come from in america can lead someone to not necessarily open their views to another state you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and it gets interesting because when you think about uh, states with larger populations or smaller populations, each state has their own nuance. So it's like, how do you get a bigger country like the United States of America to not have these problems and try to maybe focus on our common ground instead of what tears us apart? And I think it's just so many people's selfish tendencies and only care about their own circle that we won't you know, attack the bigger problem. And I think, you know, 2020, obviously a grueling year for everyone with the pandemic, but also a summer of social justice and a lot of norms and uh, completely turned upside down. And we will have that for the rest of the, of the rest of our lives, whether that's, you know, learning about race relations, um, reevaluating systematic racism, evaluating the class system and where sadly, what, 
cast what you know set it off the murder of George Floyd and that ultimately leading people enough is enough. This has to change. And sure, it's there are times where it's awkward to talk about these issues and trying to not upset or offend anyone. That's why you can't say certain jokes anymore. That's why if you say these certain jokes, people try to cancel you and stuff like that. But there was something to, you know, start these conversations. And as I've said with people before, we need to always have these conversations on why this is wrong, why people are upset about this. What can you do to not repeat the mistakes from our past? And I'd love to hear your perspective on that too. And um, if you agree or disagree on why these things have changed and what led to these changes. And now that we are, you know, at this point of our lives in our mid twenties, trying to start our careers and how we're also seeing the world change, I think for the better, but there's still a lot of work to do and style. So a lot of things we have to learn. Right. You're just trying to say, like, especially us entering the workforce now. Yeah. And especially in the awkward time, it's kind of almost reminiscent. I can imagine of folks from the 2008 era empathizing with us, right? Yep. Because at that time, the whole economy was crashing. But in this, in this kind of age and era, I think what we're, we're trying to discuss more is about the, uh, What's, I think the in- inclusivity is important, right? Because mm-hmm. what makes you different also will enhance the group. And I think at the same, in the same token, that has allowed us to be tunnel visioned in our own mindsets. So it's kind of hard to ask, okay, well, I don't know what I don't know. You, If you don't know it, then how do you actually know? You know? And so then a lot of it, Kind of boils down to who raised you and where you come from. So if if you come from a certain knit cloth, right, mm-hmm. it's going to be harder for you to uh, be on the same page as a whole other sheet. If that makes any sense, right? So if you think about like the fact that we're now starting to at least address this problem, I think is is very important to incorporate all aspects of for all people. But I think it's also important to understand what socioeconomic impacts prior decisions from a yeah. bureaucracy or for a government. How does that impact us? For example, the Homestead Act. The Homestead Act prevented those who own land to keep it if you know they were slaves. And I could I don't want to get to you know I probably am not saying the Homestead Act verbatim correctly, but I do know that it was just you know an institutional way to systematically strip people who had rightful land from them. And then if you really think about the context of what something like that's going to do. It makes someone think, well, why does one inherit something? Why does another one, another person not inherit anything? It's I think it shows that everybody's brain is different. Everybody's different and how you consume it and how you make your decisions once you consume that information. And at the end of the day, and a special shout out to my grandma, who always said this to me, and it naturally will never leave me. It's all about your decision making. The choices you make today will affect you for tomorrow. And one choice can set the tone for your rest of your life or a period in your life. And we have to decide what we do with the information we get up from now on, whether we support, don't support it, or, you know, stay middle of it. I think um, there's so much things to think about nowadays, you know? Yeah, and I guess what's, what's hard is that... I guess what drew me to the career path that I chose was the absoluteness of it. Mm-hmm. 
And what steered me away from law and politics was the non-absoluteness of it. And can you define right? more what you mean by absoluteness? So what, what I mean is that, okay, two plus two equals four, correct? Yeah. Like I could try to convince you otherwise that two plus two equals five, but then I'd have to do either some mathematical trickery or, you know, basically break what you've prior, you know, your former basis of knowledge is right. Or a but, philosophical reason. <laughs> right. But now say, you know, we somehow through the grapevine talk about our dislike or like of a certain politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right or wrong? And depending on which country you go to, is the answer is not the same. Mm-hmm. So I guess what what I'm trying to get at is that uh, the absolute way. What I mean by absolute truth is that when something is subjective, right, it's not going to be equally perceived from everybody else. So, like for example, what you perceive as loud may not be what I perceive as loud. So you, one could argue a 70 year old person versus a 20 year old person would think a train. Is it at a different loudness? Yes. But that is just because of the different natures of their ear, right? So what am I getting at with this, right? Mm-hmm. The sub- subjective nature of us interpreting the information, right? We basically are going to have our own biased perspective, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's what, make us, it's what makes us human. So how do we, you know, how do we address that? True question. I think if somebody's confident in how they feel about something, use that confidence and use it wisely. There are going to be some people who use it for evil. But we hope to encourage and people realize the benefit of using it for good. And despite all the pushback, despite all the various opinions you might hear, despite the people who will try to bring you down from it, as long as you are aware and cognizant of these decisions you make, and as long as you're confident with it, there's no reason why you can't make an impact with it. But make sure at the end of the day, it's for you. And yeah. you're the one who likes it. And you're the one who can go, um, and you can go and move forward from it. Yeah, I think that's basically, you know, the, the really important part. And how, uh, how do we explain this to other people so that way we bring us together instead of like, you know, tearing each other apart, especially being from different places. Yeah. You know, if I if I was if I stay where I was born and raised, I think it would be harder for me to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, saying that, too, I would love to quickly have your origin story. Then we'll hit on some other random topics and saying that and where you come from, Jeff. You're from the Bronx, New York, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Man. All right. You know, you go out go to the Bronx, you know, talk to us about growing up in the Bronx. Talk about the environment you were in. What guy gauge your interest? And we would love to talk about your journey from the Bronx to what you're doing now at NASA. So we'll start with here, the origin story. Talk to me about what was life growing up like growing up in the Bronx. Well, I would say the Bronx has probably a certain set of values that if you were to tell them to other people elsewhere, they would look at you crazy. Really? For instance, you know, living in a shoebox that they call an apartment. Mm-hmm. Or, for instance, not having a driver's license at the age of 20 or 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. So when you think about why is that, largely it's because of the population of New York City. So the Bronx has about 20-something million people, not including Manhattan. Mm-hmm. 
So if you sum up the number of people, I'm sure it's in the, well, it's definitely in the tens of millions. For a fact. Yes. And if everybody were to step outside of their house at the same time, people <laughs> would start falling off of New York City. Yeah. So you ask yourself, well, what is the implication of that? I think that had a direct impact on everything that I did in life, you know, because a lot of times people will come from a certain background where, you know, where they come from and who raised them in the neighborhood that they are from has an inherent impact on their life, whether they made that decision or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't choose to grow up in the Bronx. I'm not, I'm very grateful. You know, I love that I come from the Bronx, you know, but at the same time, it's like, how can I help where I come from? Well, a lot of it comes back to what was the uh, life like in the Bronx? I think not having the ability to have a peace of mind, Really? And not knowing that that was available until I left. What do so I mean you, by that? I think because, you know, they say it's a city that never sleeps. Yeah. And that's very true. That's very true. You know, <laughs> any time of day you go outside, you will find somebody. So I think uh, there's some. Um, we, we talk about pollution and in this age of climate change, but I think what's very important that we talk about noise pollution and how does that affect the everyday person? And in New York City, I think that conversation is slept on. We should be talking about that more, but we don't because I guess we don't see it, you know? Maybe yeah. you see smog, but you don't see sound. So in the hustle and bustle, people kind of just live with it, you know? But at the same <laughs> time, I think when you look at what produces that, most of it is from transportation that goes on in New York City. And that's why I still don't have my driver's license because the transportation system is great in efficiency, right? But there's a there's an optimization problem here, right? We want the trains and buses to be as efficient as possible, but we want to reduce the amount of emissions that it produces. Can't have it both ways. You can't have a free, there's no such thing as free lunch, as they say. (laughs) Somebody's paying for it. So, Jeff, you grow up in the Bronx, you know, starting to gain your interest. So it's fair to say you work in the science community. You're literally working as a rocket scientist. Now, was there something in the Bronx that made you feel like, and you were talking about absolutes, you know, definitely the math and science is very absolute. You need to have a specific proven answer. Was it, was this um, interest in science coming at like a class? Was it a professor? Was it these subways being loud and figuring out, man, how can science and math, you know, stop these issues. I was wondering, how did your initial love for science um, begin? And was that influence in your time in the Bronx? That's a very good question. I think it's important to always stem back my story to Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero. I think it's very important. Uh, family, <laughs> family member, I believe it was my aunt or my cousin or both. Um, I really wanted a guitar, but I my family, my intermediate family couldn't afford it, so I asked other family members for a guitar. And I, and not to get down to the weeds, but I've, instead of getting a guitar, I got the game Guitar Hero 2, particularly. And it comes with a plastic guitar. For those who don't know, uh, it's a good, <laughs> there might be people out there who don't know what Guitar Hero is. It's a plastic guitar, and it has five buttons. And the point is to press the buttons in a certain coordination and rhythm to a classic rock song that would be playing on the screen. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you would be playing guitar through five buttons. And I thought that was 
not only was it entertaining as a child, but looking back at it now, I think just getting the hand-eye coordination does yeah. something for the brain. Regardless, at some point or another, I did end up getting my hands on a guitar and I didn't have access to any teacher, either for mm-hmm. uh, price reasons or just lack of guitar teachers in the Bronx. If they were guitar teachers, they often taught in the um, field of like salsa or like bachata, merengue. But yeah. it's not like you couldn't find a jazz guitarist. You couldn't find a classical guitarist. You could probably find some rock guitarists out there. But in terms of instruction, that was the instruction you're going to get in which I had a class or two, which was fine. But um, ultimately, the way I taught myself was through DVDs and literature. And yeah. I started that when I was uh, 14. I continued to play guitar, and I had several bands throughout high school. And <laughs> after switching high schools, I had the fortune of taking a physics class. And I was set on being a musician still at this point. Sure, I'm 16 or 17. Yeah. So several years have passed. I'm just playing guitar. I started when I was 11. So I just kept playing, teaching myself. And um, you can imagine if you don't have an instructor, that can be kind of dangerous, right? right. Because I think it's important to fail in order to get better. But if For you sure. have no one else, no one there telling you that you're failing, then you're not really making progress. I guess it's about like fake training. I guess we'll talk about that later. But anyway, the point is, uh, I'm taking this physics class and the guy's like, what do you want to be? I tell him, I'm, I'm going to be a musician. If I'm going to be in the field of science, I'm just going to be a producer, you know, like yeah. work the boards. And he's like, well, you know, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers make that. Like, if it wasn't for them, that wouldn't even be a thing. I said, what you mean? What What, what is a mechanical engineer? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Like, and I started like getting curious as to what what do people like that do? And I realized they're more of a jack of all trades. Just because you study electrical engineering or mechanical engineering doesn't mean you necessarily work on power or you work on who discovered the first wheel and how does that <laughs> it's like it's more about how can we utilize the principles of physics and math and apply it to the real world around us. Yeah. And essentially, isn't that kind of what music is, right? If I tell you that math is just arrangement of numbers, what would you say if I said music was just the arrangement of notes? I'm sure exactly. there's someone, I, I, I got to get... Two, two know, together, right? I got to get you who said that, because I know it's not original words, but I'll get you the actual code. So I think that, right that, that duality kind of got me interested into the connection between music and science. And the same work ethic that I needed to teach myself guitar is what I used to teach myself physics when the instruction was absent, you know? And that's kind of what kind of, you know, very long story, slightly shorter. That's a, that's what it is in a nutshell. I hear that. So it was your love for music that helped lead you to your love of sciences and putting these two great, what's the word I'm looking for? Aspects of life to help, you know, realize what you're, you know, meant for. And that's really cool. And, you know, before we move on to the next part, I'm talking about teaching yourself. What would you have to say for somebody who wants to do something? Maybe they feel lazy about it. Maybe they think it's too expensive to get into it. What do you think about the value in people teaching themselves things, especially when they have a desire to be better? Like, what do you think is that extra step for you to actually teach yourself and not procrastinate? If I could tell, I mean, I still tell myself this. 
But I think it's just human nature to overestimate what we're capable of doing. Ooh, that's his bars. Uh, like <laughs> all the times, right? How many times do we set more than one goal a day? A lot. I <laughs> mean, who who just who just sets one goal a day? I mean, like it sounds almost in this American society it almost sounds lazy, right? But mm-hmm. it's very important to put all your effort into one thing at a time, not try to spread it around because then you ultimately do none of them good. Right. And so I think when you're trying to teach yourself something is it's important. Like right now I'm trying to teach myself chess. Okay. Mm. Like it's, it's almost like seems impossible because right? chess has this, the stigma of you have to be smart to understand chess, but like, <laughs> I don't see any calculus in this chessboard. <laughs> is there like nuclear elements? Like, no, this is chess it's always pieces, about yeah. having your next step forward and being prepared for it. Right. So how do I focus on one thing? Maybe I'm going to focus on maybe how do I arrange my pawns more strategically? I'm yeah. not going to then focus five minutes later. How am I going to put my other pieces? No, no, no. <laughs> it stages to it. So with guitar, a lot of it has to do with I'm going to work on how to put my hands on the guitar. How am I mm. going to strum the guitar without my hands on it? Then even then, say, I, I, I love this book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I think to sum up what I think the piece of advice I'm trying to say is you want to start small and let the cumulative sum of the small things add up instead of trying to go one marathon at a time. If you know, you want to just do things progressively. Like if you did something 10 minutes every day for seven days a week versus one time, 70 minutes in seven days. You're going to be better if you did it 10 minutes every day. Right. Look at that, Jeff. See, it's not so bad. And we have this life is short and there's so much time that we can waste. But Jeff, you clearly show. I think you hit the nail on the head. We are so many. We are so capable as humans to pull off so many amazing things. And so with that, figuring out the skills, showing that go getting attitude you have. Plus, you know, your prior experiences to help grow you into this great man you are. You finish your youth. You're about to go to the University of Hartford. Talk to us about how you wound up to U-Hart and how that um, helped expand your knowledge and, you know, having the big next step in your career, which we're so interested in learning about. But talk about the U-Hart days, going from the Bronx to U-Hart. What were the valuable lessons you got um, during those years? I think that it's very important to emphasize that when I enrolled to college, I enrolled as a technology major. And one may ask, like, what's the difference between engineering technology and engineering? I think what the biggest takeaway is that engineering technologists are very good with their hands. They will allow, you know, they're they're more of a, I I shouldn't say handyman because it still requires like calculations and it's not just you just using your hands only, but I guess the intuition behind constructing uh, engineering systems is more stressed in the engineering technology field. Um, and at that level, they're more worried about uh, your baseline math and physics and science level versus an engineering student. They're a little bit more stringent or, or weary if you are trying to enroll with a poor math grade. Really? And I had basically barely passed math all throughout high school. So my best bet was to do well in junior year, do well as best as I could in senior year. And I, I didn't, I, I like, I did, I got like B's, mm-hmm. but my finals were not good. Point is, um, I knew if I applied undecided as a technology major, 
I would probably get enrolled into the University of Hartford. I would have better chances doing that than trying to apply to the acoustic department, which is where my eyes were really at. Yeah. And I found out that University of Hartford is the only university in the country that offers acoustics and music, acoustical sciences and music as a like one degree. So that sounds very enticing, especially being in my guitar hero days, like even though, even after I learned guitar, you know, you still want to learn about the history and what make how were these people were able to make guitar hero and you keep asking these kind of theoretical questions. And I knew that I wanted to understand acoustics or sound. I didn't know really what acoustics was, but for those who don't know, it's the field of sound and vibration. So anything that has a sound, which is one of our senses, anything that can vibrate that produces a sound, it's classified under the field of acoustics. So you can imagine like you and me talking on this is. podcast. Exactly. And what's really interesting is that uh, when you speak to a microphone, it's a converter of energy. What energy is it converting? It's converting my sound energy into mechanical energy by moving like a thin film. It's like a thin film. Like it basically is like a, a piece of material that's moving at the same rate as my voice. It's like only reacting to my voice. That's where our sound waves signal. come from. Right. Well, I, that's a broad question. We st- it's still a question where the sound waves come from, mm-hmm. actually. But what I'm trying to say without being too anal is that the way you are hearing me is because there's a conversion of my sound energy Mm. to physical mechanical and physical movement to electrical energy. And that that electrical energy is what's being sent through the interwebs to you, right? But what's crazy is that now that electrical energy then is used to move another thin film, which is on your ears right now, and that Mm -hmm. thin film will produce sound energy, which is that will create the speaker. So what I'm trying to say is that a speaker and a microphone are the same thing, but backwards. Yeah, science. Yeah, like when I edit my podcast, there's a bunch of sound waves that I have to sort out. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to adjust volumes. You know, yeah, I got exact background noise. Make sure people sound clear and concise. If somebody says something that got them canceled, I have to remove it. Uh, you know, stuff like that, and. I, I visualize what you're saying, me talking like I literally will see waves up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, What's um, interesting, what, sorry to cut you off, but um, it depends because I'm sure what you're it depends on what you're looking at, because you can look at things. I mean, can, is it possible to share my screen? Can I do that? Is that a thing? I really I, you definitely can. I haven't gotten that part of the Zoom. If you if you somehow can, and this would be for our YouTube viewers, of All course. All right. But, Experimental um, zone here. We're going to experiment here, guys. Figure this out. Because uh, I want to explain to you for those. All right. Those who don't like the science, you might want to just like skip ahead or just pause here. But <laughs> I'm going to try to break it down for those who are curious who. Or just curious, you know? What right. happens is that you you can look at something in terms of measurement. Uh, as you speak and the thing you look, what you're referring to is what's going up and down. It's like a, a bar graph or something. Exactly. Like some, um, and there, that would be your loudness. But at the same time, it affects how long you keep that pitch. So I could, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a science lesson. I gotta, I'll talk to you after hours because then people are like, why am I attending a college lecture right now? So 
But the idea is that there's a, a relationship between the sounds that you make when you're editing your podcast mm-hmm. and how long you're speaking for and how your voice is constructed. Anyone who wants to study that can look into it after hours. Just go into acoustics. I mean, acoustics <laughs> is a rabbit hole, Pandora's box. Exactly. Just go to uHeart slash acoustics and, you know, showing us how this all pans out. But also, Jeff, I'd like to ask, um, so after you go, you realize you major, you take your classes and all that, before you take the next step into what you're doing now, what were those, you know, big moments? What were some of those valuable things you learned besides the math and sciences that you improved your skills on? What were some of those big almost personal people skills that you were able to grasp before you got to the next step on top of learning E equals MC square and all that. <laughs> yeah. What I would say um, is two parts. Well, the thing is with E equals MC squared, you're talking about Albert Einstein level physics and is that the to speak, like, I guess you're, you're on the right track basically. When you think of physics as a perfect example of a monumental person who does physics. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there's two parts that's important. The adversity that I went through because I never, like I said, I studied, te- I enrolled as a technology major mm-hmm. and I basically had to prove myself that, prove to the department that I could then be a student of acoustics. They didn't just let me walk up in there and say, hi, I love sound and like. Yeah, what did you have to do yeah. to prove yourself? Shout out to Dr. Bob Selmer. He basically... Mm-hmm. Um, he run, he was a program director of the acoustics department and I wasn't doing too hot. Like I basically enrolled without the grades to go into engineering and yet I never got the grades I needed. So for example, I took the classes that anyone else would take in the engineering department. Yeah. Those prerequisites. Right. But I basically took them without enrolling into that degree. Never that generally do that. So I did that and flunked them and the biggest part i think was that i took a prerequisite for one class and then that class at the same time you, <laughs> you took the prerequisite at a time and you took the prerequisite to a class that you somehow and got in anyways with it yeah, that's like calculus one and calculus based physics so you need to know calculus before you do calculus based <laughs> physics right like yeah no one stopped me from doing this that's like learning to... that's like learning taking a spanish class and then you're taking spanish literature at the same exactly, time exactly 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 you like spanish too like <laughs> so basically i got d's in both and the the, uh, the dean of the engineering school said what are you doing is that i told him my plan from day one and basically he's, you know, he was looking at me like, are you kind of wasting your time and money? But I was very adamant on trying to get it. So I retook those classes. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting B's and B pluses. Yeah. And when I tried to convert into the acoustic department, they said, you had just retaking these classes. How are you going to let you, I'm going to let you just walk in when you just took the same thing over again. Like you got to do more, you got to do new stuff. So I know mm-hmm. it's just not a fluke. Like you could have just copied from that. I was really offended by that. Mm-hmm. But looking back now, I could totally understand because if someone is a director of a program that they deeply care about, they don't want to let anybody walk in there. Yeah. So I proceeded to take the classes for the engineering degree that I wasn't basically enrolled in. And I did that for two years. And at the end of the two years and a lot of emails, I was able to bother Dr. Bob 
enough that he enrolled me into the acoustics department. And that's how I was able to go from technology undecided to mechanical engineering with a concentration in acoustics. Yeah. That was a very yeah. big moment because I was, I had just failed math not that long ago. And I had just uh, basically failed math in high school. And I, I knew when I got to college, my math skills were weak. And my girlfriend now, she used to make fun. We took physics together seven years ago now. And she'd be like, well, how you don't know this? This is just two plus two minus three. I was like, but you don't do two minus three before you put, oh my God. <laughs> it's confusing. It was confusing. Very confusing to me. And so I just, you know, roughed it out. We did it. Now we're here. And so then. What a comeback. The second part I would say is in putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. So my first experience with NASA was that I was just been rejected from many jobs. I think it was like three or four jobs. I interviewed. They said, no. We don't want you. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? I started cold asking professors, hey, my name is so-and-so. My name is Jessica Reno. Um, I'm going to be here this summer. Is there anything you need help from me that I could help you with? Okay. Luckily, the first person I asked, it's like, funny you ask. It was Dr. Kamal, right? Mm-hmm. He, yeah, I'm actually proposing a NASA grant right now, and I need a research assistant. Ooh. Crazy. So then that summer, I worked on... Uh, CO2 conversion to oxygen. You know how plant uh, trees, it's like we we inhale air which has oxygen and we exhale CO2. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Is yeah. that photosynthesis? I don't, I'm not a biologist, so I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but you know how trees basically yes. then breathe in the CO2 and then mm-hmm. give us oxygen? Yes. Well, you can use plasma to do the same thing. But what, what? is plasma? Plasma is, is any... Um, so we have liquid, gas, and uh, solid as the states of matter. Yeah. So we have like those That's three things. Deep. Ba- basic basic uh, science right now, but I don't want to lose people. <laughs> now, the fourth guy, the fourth guy would be plasma, which is Ooh. lightning or fire. Is neither any of those past three things I said. So it's not a gas, it's not a liquid, it's not definitely not a solid. So we classify that as plasma. And if you strategically use that, you can actually turn CO2 into oxygen. I didn't even know what kind of chemistry was. I thought I had to know all the chemistry, and I was like stressing myself out. Like this is, you know, this is NASA we're talking about. They sent me mm. to the moon, but I realized like, no, I need to bring my best self. I'm not going to change for the job. I'm just going to bring my best self to then match that Respect. job. You know, I, mean? I got to mold a little bit, you know, there's weaknesses and strengths I have. I got to work my, with those. But at the same time, I realized that something as crazy as that is only dependent as on like how hard you're willing to work day to day towards the end goal. So if I try to learn the chemistry and then construct the machine and then set up an electrical circuit, three different fields all in the same day, I was never going to get it done. You know, but mm-hmm. once I learned that, oh, research is it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, you know, so you got to take a day at a time. And so by doing that, that kind of led me down the NASA rabbit hole. I didn't know NASA did acoustics. I never knew NASA did acoustics. Like I, I was on Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero. Key, that's why I say it's so important to just bring it back to the fact that I never thought about the noise pollution aspects. It kind of just my passion and desires kind of led me this way. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to follow those passions and desires, regardless where that. it took me. Yeah, Mug is taking you to some great places, Jeff. Now, with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration company, 
organization. So you do the research project as a research assistant for the grant. Um, I, you're uh, graduating University of Hartford. So after you graduate, how do you wind up in Cleveland, Ohio to work for NASA? And so I was fortunate for during my uh, super senior year, my victory lap mm-hmm. told me, I love that phrase. The victory uh, lap the, semester. The, 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 the summer before my fifth year, I landed a NASA internship. Oh, um, inter- intern.nasa.gov for those who are interested. If you are enrolled in high school, undergraduate school, graduate school, any major, Look into intern.nasa.gov. There's many opportunities, communication opportunities, graphic communication opportunities, business opportunities, let alone the many science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematical aspects that NASA has that we need people. We need people. We need people. The the industry's just taking them all away. Like mm. and so Elon Musk. Important. Yeah, it's a it's a cool. I don't want to start any beef because it's a collaborative effort, right? Of course. But the the second A, this national aeronautic, yeah, yeah. The second A is the second letter A stands for aeronautics mm-hmm. in NASA, right? So we were doing that before space. It was air, tra- you know, aircraft aviation. Really, developed. I didn't know that. Right, it was called NACA before. I, I, let me look this up. I forget the NACA acronym. NACA, the NACA acronym was basically it's like National uh, Aeronautics Committee. So this was before they even thought about going into space, and then they uh, right, switched it up. Yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, NACA was. Yeah, if I have it right here, uh, the National Advisory. Let the people know. Let the people know. The National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. There you go. So. <laughs> That was, yeah, established in 1958. So we were doing, um, you know, uh, aviation, you know, from the origin of the Wright brothers, you know. So I think what brought me to Cleveland, Ohio, is that that conversion happened here, like between NACA and NASA. So one of the big people who are focusing the uh, aviation acoustics arena, particularly with engines, aircraft mm-hmm. engines, that's happening at uh, NASA Glenn Research Center. And yes, NASA in Glenn, uh, Rick, Yes, it was named after John Glenn, the senator slash astronaut. One of the first, he was, I'm pretty sure, an Apollo-era astronaut, at mm-hmm. least went into orbit, one of the first astronauts. So it's very, it's a very um, awesome, it was a very awesome opportunity, especially given that the pandemic happened after that. So I was able to see all of the facilities. I mean, probably not all of them. There's 400 plus laboratories <laughs> at, at that particular research center. So I saw zero gravity drop towers, um, vacuum chambers at, in Sandusky, Ohio. Then I saw um, there's icing tunnels, then two types of wind tunnels. And these are just like the head honchos of experimental facilities. There's other small ones all spread out the center that I'm allowed to talk about because this is why we uh, advertise our expertise because we've been doing this for a long time. And I'm blessed that I get to work with, you know, experts in the in this arena. And I think that it's a matter of time. It's only a matter of time that they'll pass, the, that, they, that they'll need to pass the torch. You know, yeah. we can't, it, it's like, we, I, no one person can do this by themselves. So 
if there's, if there's at least one person I can inspire to maybe they're interested about it, they're even about NASA, they even know like, oh, maybe I should look into NASA. Maybe there's something there for me. Like I met a business intern and uh, he, I would have never thought I met, a, would meet anyone who majored in business. But yeah, I met him on the first day I was there. So there's stigmas being broken all the time there. And I think uh, to the main point of like, how did it kind of end up on my radar and how did I get here? It's more of just being open to the opportunities that are available. Mm-hmm. And if I were to try and uh, explain how I got up in Cleveland, because the NASA intern, intern.nasa.gov website allows you to apply to many centers at once. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, you know, doing my best to get to the places that were most relevant. And Cleveland, Ohio was the one. And this was all result from getting an internship. And like you said, being open to the opportunities. So you would you say for someone, you know, you know, NASA's pretty up there for places of destination. Would you I mean, say? It's, it's, would, sorry, I going to say it's like one of the, like, it's up there in the, like, some of the, like, best jobs ratings lists or whatever. Exactly. Like, Huge reputation. And great thing to, and great honor to have you on your resume. Would you say to the person listening to this, you know, I, I want to be an engineer, I want to be in sciences, NASA sounds great, but it seems really hard. What do you have to say to those people who are doubting themselves? Your only limits are self-imposed. The second you say you can't, you will not. Right? Because maybe you can and you'll fail, but if you don't try, you definitely will fail. That's a worse you know feeling I mean? to have. What if? So I, regret what about is Right. Regret loss of lifetime, I believe. So uh, I, I try to not regret anything that I do, and I try to think, Okay, well, if I can put in my all, like, let's say this week was the last week I was alive, what would I want to be spending it on? And I think if if working at NASA or, like, kind of pro- progressing the field, your field, whatever it is, so happens to be, say, someone so interested in, you know, uh, audio communication or, like, graphic communication or any form of communication, right, they're going to try and... Uh, do things in an innovative way, a new way that may set themselves apart if they're that passionate about changing the game. I think that's kind of what, if you have the desire, that's the only requirement. Exactly. You don't need to be born with any special talent. You don't need to be born from any particular point in the, the starting or ending line of the American race. It's about how bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, then it will happen. You know, you just can't say no for an answer. Exactly. And figuring out all the ways divine intervention will conflict you and put walls in front of you. And that will happen a lot. But there's no reason why you can't push forward and go over it. Like if you don't apply to if you sorry, if you apply to NASA, you don't get in the first time. What could I do to stick out my resume? Who could I reach out to be a referral Uh, is if Jeff is willing to. Could he put in a good word? It's like figuring out those other ways. Mm to get your in. And that's what's not why it's not impossible. You're only limiting yourself. And as long as there's a will, there's a way. And I think you proved that. Yeah, I hope so. And, uh, you know, is anyone, anyone who wants to do anything, I think as long as they're right, you know, their heads in the right place, they're able to do it. Hell yeah, man. Before we get into just some other random topics, what else do you have to say? Well, I have one more out top after this, before we get, you know, wrap this up with NASA and what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So what 
what are you doing now at NASA? Like, so what are, what have you been up to recently that you are, if you're allowed to say what, you know, yeah, no, no area I mean, 51 I mean, is there's no area 51 confidential information. Sure. Is there coming? <laughs> so about come out? Between my friends who are listening to this, I'm uh, pretty sure area 51 is a army thing. So <laughs> if you're interested in learning about more what the government is doing, check out where we spend our money. Cause that's all public. <laughs> And you'll see where not how much money NASA gets, how much money the military is getting, and we get mm. it from the same place. So I'll, I'll let the reader investigate that. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say is that um, I'm still kind of doing the same thing mm-hmm. with NASA and in, in studying acoustics. But what I've kind of more dived into was the field of computation and how do we use computers to help us not do the experiments? And when we do do the experiments, can we predict how well? the experiments are going to perform. So when you get on an aircraft, we yes, we have to test the plane. But is there any other thing we can do? Yes, we can model the air around it using computers. So that's called computational fluid dynamics. Shout out to Savage, CFD Steve. I don't know if he's listening, but if he's listening. Straight Steve Casalunas, of course. Steve Cas, you know, he's out here. He's been working in progressing that area of CFD, particularly with how do you, have that as a good backdrop for something like determining the sound from an air movement. Yeah. Because in order to predict that, right, we need to predict the air. So in order to predict the air, just different ways of doing that. You can do it on paper, but over time we've been able to use computers to our advantage, particularly since the 70s. So it's still an up-and-coming field, especially when you consider how long electrical engineering has been around, right? We've had electricity for a much longer time before we started considering how does sounds affect our daily lives from the appliances that we use, right? So it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, first world problem, I want to say, but I yeah. think it's a, a problem that affects the quality of life of many people. Hey, anyway, where they're from. Hey, any way to make this world better, Jeff? And I have to say, it's an honor I can go on. I hope you don't mind me saying now, when I talk about the show, when I talk about the show on job interviews, yeah, interviewing, you know, entrepreneurs and drag queens to refugees to people from NASA. I'm so honored I can say that now. I'm glad to say, most importantly, he's a great friend. So that's really no worries, cool. Bro. I guess I, the, I love that you have a melting pot. I just want to say that that's amazing that you're getting a diverse community. I think that's what's important. Dude, there's so many stories I I want to learn. There's so many people we need to hear from. And that's the great benefit of creating content while genuinely getting something out of it. Hence what makes it productive. And excuse me one second. I thought I was gonna don't you hate when you think you're about to sneeze and you don't? I just had that I love, moment. Yeah, I love I love that you're, you know mindful of the listener because uh, a lot of times people uh, me personally I don't care but I've listened to stuff with my friends and be like oh my god I can't believe it's cough <laughs> what do you cough gold or something yeah you know I don't learn anything from talking I only learn from listening so I need to grasp my knowledge and the great Larry King said that once rest in peace mm. and yeah that's that's what's valuable about this. And then my last NASA related topic before we just get into some other fun stuff is Jeff is rocket science as hard as the world makes it seem to be. Yo, you know, so funny. Uh, we talked to my guy, Steve, Steve 
is taken, it was called gas dynamics. Gas dynamics is essentially rocket science because in order to produce rockets, you need to study this branch of science. It's like, how do I get air to move in a way that's going to do what I want it to do? A lot of it has to do with, back to what I said, if you try to let, I'm going to go learn rock science today. Good luck with that. See you later. Like, that's not going to happen. But if you look at, the, okay, well, what documentaries are there about rocket science? Okay, mm-hmm. who, who are the rocket scientists? Like, where, did this, where did this um, ism where people are like, oh, you can't figure it out? It's not rocket science. I have no idea, man. I don't know. I love, but you know, the thing is, I love that class because, or love that subject rather, because you can't say that because you can't be like, oh, this is not rocket science. Like, no, it is rocket science. Like, That's you, hilarious. You know, buckle up. And when when you think about it, though, it's a, uh, if you really try to break it down enough, it is on a two plus two level. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, there's, there's parts of it that are absolute, meaning like, no matter how many times you test a certain concept, it will provide the same result. But there's other things that is not that's not so true. Yeah. So I think knowing where those gray areas are a lot more definitive in physics versus in like law or criminal law, for example. You know, so kind of more based on precedent, like what has been done before versus like what has been proven to work for a fact. You know what I mean? Because like right. Otherwise, people wouldn't get on aircrafts every day, right? I wouldn't just risk my life if the person studying rockets and planes didn't know what they were doing, you know? So I guess uh, what I'm trying to say without overcomplicating it is that if you're willing to start somewhere, that's the important part. It's about the baby steps. So you got, I think the most the most important thing is just to break it down to manageable chunks and then you're able to do anything. It's not about who did it first. It's about who did it right. And Jeff, thank you for leading us in that direction. And we appreciate the intelligent, humble, and wholesome people that help make our world better through science. And so thank you, Jeff, for being part of that community, for making it a better place. So let's get off some other things, Jeff. Where do I start to take advantage of this great brain and mind you have? While we go into some sports real quick, you know, right, this is recording uh, as we we are releasing this on Monday, the 15th. Uh, we're recording it on Wednesday, the 11th. One of the big news and something uh, you were uh, shocked to find out, especially now living in Cleveland, Ohio. They have the Cleveland Browns and they have their most outspoken player leave the team in Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to play for the Los Angeles Rams. They play tonight on Is Monday Night definitive? Football. Is that it's, like for a fact? Like we yes. know he signed. He is uh, being picked up from waivers and he's going to uh, make it. And he's, he's making a deal with them. Is it like he said? Yeah, all the insiders, uh, according uh, to this, Odell Beckham's a L.A. Ram, and he's going to be playing tonight, Monday, the 15th, Monday Night Football, Rams versus 49ers. Obviously, prime time to uh, see what this guy um, has to offer, assuming no injuries or you know, problems with physicals. What do you think, Jeff? Living in well, Cleveland Brown say- country, uh, what's the vibe, I should say? Okay. First of all, on a broader note, before I get into that, uh, what is is when they say because I'm just now getting into football, especially moving to Cleveland because the Cleveland Brown team spirit is unreal, unmatched. I've is never it seen really? Yeah, like that's it what I hear. Any football team, 
I was on my way to a half marathon. Uh, it's called the Northeastern Ohio, nor, Northern, no, Northern Ohio Marathon. And I was on my way there. And I see it's five, the race starts at seven. And it's like 30 minutes out. And you got to be there like at six to get your like information or whatever. So I'm going there. And I'm looking over. I'm like, yo, that's what is that? It's a line to get in the, in, in the parking lot. To start tailgating at yeah. 6 in the morning. I'm sure maybe this is not a new thing to those football fans out there. But to mm. me, this is some nice diehard behavior that I've never seen for anything else in Cleveland. So that's good to see. And with that being said, I think the energy, the overall vibe of a, of a team is way more important than any one player. Especially you know? in football. Come on. Like... You telling me it's all about where the ball goes? Then why do you have a whole separate defensive team? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't want to get too much like because uh, I'm not trying to have a sip on no hater rating, you know? Like I'm not a, I'm not a football player, right? So obviously people have worked for what they got, but I think the sense of entitlement from some athletes, in some ways, are deserved, but some ways not. Like if you got rings to show for it, okay, talk all the mess you can. But unless you got chips to show for it, bro, like, come on. Yeah. Why are you going to be crazy? Why are you talking crazy? We all trying to get championships, bro. So why are you trying to? Come on. Odell's definitely cool, been uh, controversial, to say the least. And he definitely had but special has talents at one point. Has he per- I, what I know is that his dad said everything. Well, you know. But he didn't refute it, I guess. If you don't refute it, does that mean you agree to it? Like. You know, I, I mean, know. in the past, he definitely talked things about the Giants, you know, once they paid him and then saying disparaging things about Eli Manning on Monday Night Football with Little Wayne next to him. The, um, you know, starting problems with Josh Norman on the Carolina Panthers and that fight. Um, wow. And then, yeah, go to the Browns and, you know, talking a lot of smack and being upset that he never got the ball. You know, it led to, uh, you know, this. I'm sure a lot of people say good riddance. I, you know, a lot of Giant fans, Kadri still don't like him. I think uh, most people realize that he's a big mouth. He's no insanely talented, and he's made catches that I didn't even think the human body can make in certain positions. But you are right. The man is very cocky instead of confident. He, you know, he's a diva, and I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he makes me eat crow in this opportunity playing for the Rams, who are such a heavy Super Bowl favorite at this point. And they're clearly only getting better on both sides of the ball. If he could really contribute to a Rams Super Bowl, which would be their first ever in L.A. if they win. They won when they were St. Louis Rams. And the Dodgers uh, won not too long ago, too, so... Yeah, Dodgers won World Series in 2020. and But, yeah, this would be a big deal if the L.A. Rams win their first uh, – if the Rams organization wins their first Super Bowl in L.A. And, um, yeah, this is this is it for Odell. If he wants to be remembered as one of the greats, he's going to step up. Um, yes, in the one playoff yeah. game he was in, he didn't step up, and now this is a chance. Do people – do you want to be looked at as another prima donna receiver who underachieved, or do you want to step up, be a team player, contribute? You're not going to be the number one or the number two because you have Cooper Cup who could win an MVP or Robert Woods, but if he's good enough, he will be a great slot receiver and make sure that he helps this team, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, it really, I'm just a firm believer in the overall team attitude in any sport. Yeah. So 
like I know him and Von Miller are pretty tight, so like mm-hmm. maybe like that because they like get along well. Two that new might, teammates take, who just joined the team too, right? Like maybe because maybe that good energy may rub up, but maybe they may be on some casita shit. Like oh, we the whole team is all, <laughs> all, our whole team is on us too. Like that's not healthy. So given uh, given OBJ's track record, I'm like obviously not trying to hate on nobody. So obviously if this is gonna be good for his life, good for his fans. More power to him, but I know Cleveland is coming back crazy strong. We got the NBA All-Star Finals coming to Cleveland. Oh, that's dope. Mortgage House, that's coming in 2022. You going to go to it? Well, see, the tickets, I haven't seen the tickets on sale yet, but we're going to see. I mean, depending on how the budget looking, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we got to figure out what's going on. Because, I mean, even if it's nosebleeds, I feel like it's a once in a opportunity life. Yeah, you get it. I was going to say last year, May 2019 or 2020, no, May 20, I can't remember which year. It's one of the other that there was the MLB All-Star game right here in uh, Cleveland, too. Yeah. So that's 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 crazy. That's been back to back to back to back. And then we had the uh, NFL draft here. So I think right now Cleveland has been up and coming for sports, but we just need some, you know, I'm not a person that really, I'm not a, you know, I have no, I have no position on this really, in the sense that I, whatever I say, any ad, avid sports watcher listener mm-hmm. is gonna either be like, "What are you talking about, bro?" or like, "Okay, he's on something." But regardless, I'm just trying to have fun with watching sports, connect with my family, my friends, and also support the community around me. But what I'm seeing is the whole community back around all Cleveland sports in a way I've never seen it ever in my life before. And for yes. every sport, I'm talking about football, baseball, basketball, rowing, bro, running. The the running scene out here is crazy, bro. So there's all, all these mm-hmm. trails. I just love the community vibe out here. So I think Cleveland deserves just good yeah, things to happen. That must be something very interesting, you know, coming from New York City. Obviously, they do have a strong sports community, but because it's New York City, you have every major community like you, the Knicks can win an NBA Finals in Madison Square Garden. And there could be a whole neighborhood that doesn't give a shit. Now, I do think that would be a big deal if the Knicks win, especially because it's been over 50 years. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying, yeah, like, right. like no, you know. See, conversely for the Nets, too, right? Like, Exactly. Exactly. Like, it would be a big deal. But, you know, because New York is so massive and you have so many communities, you know, it could be different more than others, you know. And, you know, I going think, to from Cleveland now, that must have been quite a um, culture shock to notice. Like, it seems everybody's well, in know, it together. Oh, it could Reds be wrong. Far, I'd love to no, hear you're, No, you're, I, agree, I perfectly agree with you. And what's interesting is that the Reds are kind of far away. I think like yeah, two Cincinnati. hours south. Yeah. Two hours or so, maybe three. I've never been there yet. But the um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I haven't – I've seen more uh, Steelers beef in Cleveland. Yeah, they don't Pittsburgh, fuck with each other. Then from the red. But if uh I've also been to Subway series. Yeah. And even if somebody's just wearing anything Boston related in the Subway series, they just want to be, you know, just hit for it. Just like new, the Yankees fans, I wanna say they they take it too personal. But the sense of pride, I think, is what gets Boston so mad. Right. Boston. I mean, I've seen videos of people walking through Boston with Yankees gear and they're like pissed, you know, like they're so mad. And I think there's a level of, of wealth disparity, I guess you could say, in the mm-hmm. MLB, right? Because they uh, uh, there's a common misconception that money will buy the best players, which then makes the best team. 
and that like not coming from New York, like you see that in other aspects of life. So when you see that try to play out in uh, baseball, it's like, come on now, like y'all spending money on a new stadium, but like look where y'all building it next to. Yeah, that's ironic, especially like Yankee Stadium where they're at in the South Bronx. You see this uh, beautiful structure, and then a couple blocks away, you just see some hardcore poverty and living as Jeff has paused really quick. Jeff, you still there? Where's Jeff? All right, we'll be right back. Just, you know what I was thinking? You know, just let him know the technical difficulties, bro. And we're back already. So we've had, yes. (laughs) So guys, sorry about the interruption. Jeff's laptop died due to a faulty charger, but He's on the phone now, and as Jeff said, we had some technical difficulties that took place, but that's not stopping us from having a great conversation. So welcome back, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing all right. I probably got to get my life together in terms of chargers, but I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) You good, Sorry to do that, man. I'm sorry about that. No worries. Well, anyways, basically to wrap it up, Odell Beckham Jr., be a team player, and, um, you know, enhance your legacy, right? I mean, you know, what, why are we alive for? Why do you live, man? Why am I alive here? What was the point of life if you're not going to be remembered? Just uh, you know, everyone has different motives, right? You know, some people yeah. just want to put one foot in front of the other, which is also very good, too, you know? As long as there's positivity everywhere. Fire ideas as always. So, Jeff, my buddy... I was wondering, what do you think about the media landscape? Just get to get like pretty random, right? What do you think about, you know, how the are you somebody who hates the fake news media, the mainstream media, the underground media, this opinion, that opinion, da, da, da. It makes your head explode with uh, as great as getting information and being entertained is so many people use it for evil. So many people with negative agendas, but yet. Um, now I'm not saying I'm a media hater or something. I mean, no, no, media, I get it. but what do you think about, you know, how people perceive media nowadays? I think the biggest thing that I guess is that what grinds my gears the most is that we don't look at the credibility of our sources. <laughs> I can just go on and say, I'm an ass engineer. Don't get vaccinated. But like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Oh. No, and even even then, the word doctor came out before medical doctors. Right. So I could be a doc. I could be a doctor in communication. I could be a doctor in you no know, paleontology or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs, right? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I could be a doctor in feet. You could be Doesn't the doctor of thugonomics, like John Cena. <laughs> Is he what? His he once said he was. No, no, he won't. That was a wrestling character he had. The doctor you mean, of Duggan, you said Duggan-omic. I think you said economics, like John Cena out here. Like, <laughs> no, you said Duggan-omics. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Now, basically, you go, you go. What I mean, like, I think what what is so divisive is the fact that we're not willing to be wrong about where we get our information from. Oh. Right, like the second time, the second you were like, oh wow, maybe what I was thinking isn't right, then maybe. You can open up opinions, you know. But I exactly. think that's, that's that's kind of the problems that we're not willing to do that, and we we end up getting news from where we want to get it, not from where everyone else is. Like, right? 
Yeah, I feel my responsibility as a broadcaster and podcaster is to be open to all opinions. And, you know, of course, I have to I do think it's a good thing to give your opinion out and to show your side. I mean, I'm not somebody I have my thoughts and stuff, but I want to, you know, and what I mean by giving your opinion is like being your own individual brand and stuff and showcasing who you are. Of course, there's things I want to I need to keep to myself, but there's also things I'm willing to give my side and give support of it. But I think there's something to, you know, showcasing yourselves as we talked about earlier in the show, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's important to just be real, like keep it real with yourself, keep it real keep with it those real. around you, but also be considerate. You want to be considerate of how people are going to interpret what you're saying. Cause like, you know, I just, uh, I, I don't even want to talk about what I've heard and crazy things that I've heard. I just want to <laughs> want people to make educated decisions. I just feel like not everyone's doing that because we're not getting, we're not making like, we're not doing critical thinking on the things that we should be really worried about. Like, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's a whole nother rabbit hole too. Probably could have a whole nother podcast about that. Oh yeah. We will save it for another time there, but you know, another thing you also mentioned, Jeff, you were talking about running marathons. You recently ran a half marathon, as you mentioned, talk about this new passion of yours to run far distances. Talk to us about running and what was it like to run a marathon and completing I it? Think, yeah, I think running a marathon is something everybody should do at least once in their life mm-hmm. or walk a marathon. I, I, I shouldn't even say marathon. I should say any distance you think you cannot do, just tell yourself you can and do it. Like, But don't go for it all at once. And definitely don't just not train. Yeah. But I think what was interesting about it and what keeps me like definitely addicted to it is that there's a part of you that in the back of your mind is like, nah, you can't do this. There's no way. Yeah. There's a little voice. I mean, everyone, I feel like everyone has it. I mean, I mean, even if I tell myself I don't have it, which it works very well, and I train well and I prepare well, I was like, yeah, I got this, I got this. There's still like moments where things do get hard things do get yeah. painful like uh what if i did quit or uh this is getting hard even saying this is getting hard um is giving the struggle a voice so the second you stop you stop uh kind of personifying what's making it hard personifying what's making you special what's making you capable then like you're able to then kind of extrapolate energy from within you know so just practicing that um was an interesting endeavor and just being able to run the cleveland marathon there was a challenge series i did so i did 10 kilometers and the next day i did a marathon so after starting training for about half a year i mean i think it's very personal to what what everyone's distance is going to be yeah but for me i just kept pushing it to a point where i found that the marathon was about the sweet spot. And I tried to run a half marathon a week after and it was not a good idea. Hey, not you learn, idea. right? You learn. I you think live and you learn. You there's really learn. something to the phrase, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it seems that you're a living example of that, both of them where you're at at this point and then literally running a marathon, and, you know, fighting through pain, fighting through when is this going to end? fighting through any doubt you had, just keep moving. You keep stepping, you keep breathing. And then before you know it, you're at the finish line. And who would have thought 
Who you got it called? right on the nose, man. I think you should do it, bro. I think we should uh start training, do it virtually, go on the treadmill, go on the ellipticals, <laughs> go on the bikes, go on the hikes, man. That's all we gotta do. I think, I think it all started with um me just going around. Sorry, I walk my dogs a lot, but I kept yeah. walking and walking a lot. I was like, what if I just start walking fast? If I walk fast, all right, that's cool. So I start walking fast. But not thinking about marathon, just thinking about, okay, let me start pushing myself more. And at one point, walking faster into jogging and so on and so forth. And then eventually got that. to that level, you know? Let's go. Do you think one day you'll go home in New York and run the famous New York City Marathon? If I can qualify. So the I looked into it. The ages between 25 and 29. I'm 25 now. You have to run a marathon in three hours. And my first what? marathon, yeah, it's crazy. Three hours? Uh, the world, yeah, the world record's uh, 159, right? Like a one hour, nine uh, minutes. The New York City Marathon record. No, that's what you, that's the world record for all marathons of like all time. Someone was able to run 26 miles in just under two hours. Just, they said that? it, they used to say it was impossible. This guy, um, Louis, I hope I pronounced his name right. Louis Kipchoge, mm-hmm. he ran 13.1 miles per hour. He just zoom. Stop. <laughs> to run like 13 miles an hour for me is like going all out pace. That's like me. You're like, everything, ah, in ah, everything is in a tank. <laughs> you should watch this time. He's looking great. So he's like, he's it just shows his professional. He's just chilling. <laughs> Bro, and at the end of it too, he's just like it looked like right when he started, like it was easy for him. Where's this guy from? Uh, Kenya, I think. Damn. Might be Kenya. Pretty sure it's Kenya. Well, that is some bragging rights. And you're saying he was able to do it so well that he was just not like, hey, hey, yeah, bro, he was hyped. He was out here, woo, like, he, was <laughs> he was hyped. Are you, yeah, right. He um, they designed Nike sneakers for him particularly, and that's a whole nother conversation of like whether these sneakers are like okay to use but you know mm-hmm. i'm not an athlete so oh i shouldn't say i'm not an athlete but i'm not a uh running scientist yeah but what i will say is that the sneakers that he used i bought a pair and they are you know i, I hate to i want to hate them but they're they just built so different huh literally built they're different. Built different they have a, a carbon fiber plate in the base oh my goodness so for those interested, it's a Nike Vaporfly series. So Vaporfly, Next Percent, Twos, Next Percent, Fours, Alpha Flies. They're um, they're they're different, man. I don't know. They're a little narrow, but you know, the whole shoe world is its own, its own beast, you know. Yeah. So back to the the thing. So do you think you do time while you're training and wherever you're at in your life, you think one day that you'll um, you know do the ultimate marathon in the NYC one? Yeah, so I just got to be able to qualify. So if I can run a marathon in under three hours, then I'll be able to qualify for a lotto to then go for the NYC. And I have until the age of 29. I think when I'm 30, it'll be three hours, three and a half hours or something, 3.15. Interesting. But it's not that much easier. I mean, as you age, it gets harder. So I've been training. It's hard. The human body is very fascinating like that, man. And what it's got to like study, man. You got to study yourself, study other people and learn from your failures. No fake training, bro. Could I could just go run outside and say I'm training, but unless I let like learn from how my run was, write notes, reflect, there's no way I'm going to get better. And that's all they able to do it. Like, you know, 
I there was times I didn't want to run three miles. I ran three miles and I still didn't like it. Okay, I wrote that down. Then you run three miles again. It's like, well, I didn't want to do that, but then I liked it this time. I'm gonna write that down. Maybe there was something in what I ate that morning, or something, you know, different things. Like trying to make it a more enjoyable experience and just reflecting on the run allows anyone to go to any distance. So I have my first ultra marathon, February twentieth. All right. R- roots and rocks, rocks and roots. I forget what it's called. One or the other. It's thirty-one miles. And so I'm training for that. I'm training for that right now. Well, we believe in you, Jeff, man. When that day we comes, let us know and send us footage and we'll spread the word in February. That's that's great, man. That's great. Yo, Jeff, let's talk about some other fun things. What? You're, you're a music fan. Yeah, yeah, bro. There's so many songs, millions of songs, so many genres. What are some of the realest songs of all time? There's some wow. lyrics that hit you. There's some melodies that are euphoric what are some of the realest songs of all time i got you i got it. there's one that i think is super important okay that i slept on a lot i, I wish i knew the name i get <laughs> the name but no, i know where it's from now and if i tell you you know the movie 2001 space odyssey Oh yes, of course, Stanley Stanley so Kubrick. You, that that intro is like. Da, da, I would play it for you, but but because of the rights on YouTube, I would yeah. get kicked off. Yeah, 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 but yeah, exactly. I know so, it is. Da, right. da, 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 da. The thing is, the distance between the notes uh, is pretty iconic in a lot of other pieces. Mm-hmm. That 2001 Space Odyssey really demonstrated so i think that kind of set off the movie soundtrack scene in a way whether people realize it or not and also uh kind of gave people more of um like when they hear that they already know what's coming you know what i mean but yes. there's no words there's no words no so why why does that happen that's why i think it's pretty interesting so i it's try to look at songs without words you know it's a song that all people from all over the world can connect to. It's not in a specific language. It is the language of music. Yeah, but even then, you know, people, depending on where you come from, music is different. So, but, you know, with the movies, it's like the certain kind of vibe that comes with the movie soundtrack that's like... It sets the tone. Uh, sorry, what are you going to say? It sets the tone, how certain soundtracks exactly. go together so, for movies and how you're supposed to feel like one of the most fascinating things I really have. Of course, I always knew movies are about stories, but I really learned as I got an older, especially filmmakers who do it right. The movies really are about giving you an experience through the story. You're supposed right, to. Exactly. If the writer cries, you're supposed to cry. If the actors can get those emotions out of you to portray this story, it helps you become a better human. I don't care if it's more corny or whatever. Great movies make an impact yeah. on you. I think is that reason. Sorry, I say I think the reason that is is because it teaches us to empathize with one another, right? Because if the actors are able to get that out of us, that means we, some way or another, can you know relate to them. So, I totally agree with what you're saying. And with that, too, what are some of the realest movies and TV shows of all time? Uh, These stories that made us feel some type of way, have, understand the human experience a little more, understand something about ourselves. What are these movies or television shows that help make you understand that? Hence being real as fuck. 
You ever heard of the documentary AlphaGo? Alpha. Sorry, Alpha. Basically, um, uh, like Alpha, the first Greek letter, and then Go, like Geo. Alpha Go. Go is an uh, Asian game. It's kind of like chess, but Eastern. And there's a lot more combinations of moves you can do. And so they designed a computer to... This is an international renowned game. It's basically... I, I can... I don't want to... Yeah, I, I just quickly Googled it. It's about... It's a 3,000-year-old game. Yeah, exactly. So they, they built a computer. I'm pretty sure uh, Google's sub... They had like a subdivision called Deep something. They, or they made a computer called Deep Work or something. So, so not Deep Work, something like, something like that. They made a computer called Al, They made a program called AlphaGo, and it taught itself how to play this game. And by doing so, it taught the world's best Go players things they ever, never knew about this game. And what? that documentary is pretty interesting. I highly encourage you to watch it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, this game uh, Go, huh? Because the game Go is so complex, and so they got, like to see how they got other people involved and how they tested it. It was pretty interesting. And then the other one, because uh, it kind of shows, well, where is human intuition at? And can we even teach computers to teach themselves? Well, apparently so. Shit. So that's why that, that's why that document is pretty important. That's and the then, story um, right there. It is. Can it, we teach a computer to teach itself? Yeah, we can. So nowadays people send, uh, they'll make different um, machine learning engines and then kind of let them go off on each other and we learn about it that way fucking bars you were about That's to say something else hmm? you were about to say oh, something no, else not, not, about not another tv show oh, movie? Oh. oh the other one you ever heard about that um it's a movie called crossroads but not the one with britney spears it's the other one it's with um, ralph macchio and oh, i can't hear all right, let me go check it out. Crossroads. It's um, it's a good movie. I think it, it goes. To, uh, it's about the. It comes out in eighty six. It um. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want me to read the um? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, read that. Yeah. Nineteen eighty six coming of age musical drama inspired by the legendary blues musician Robert Johnson, yep. starring Miles Machio, Joe Seneca, and Jamie Gertz. Talk to us about this. So. The idea is that Robert Johnson was a trash guitar player. Like, he was crazy whack. Like, he was just terrible. Mm-hmm. And he was in the South. But then out of nowhere, he left the neighborhood and came back, and he just, just, just nasty. Like, he's crazy good. Everybody's, like, so blown away about how amazing he is. And the myth goes that he met up with the devil at these crossroads and sold his soul to the devil in order oh. to get good guitar skills. And this is like a true myth. I mean, I yeah, I've heard that. Myth. I've heard myth that. By def- yeah, I mean, you probably heard of like, you know, devil goes down to Georgia. Yeah. Kind of like along the same kind of line to that. Uh-huh. But what I was going to say is that uh, the premise was that he essentially sold his soul in order to become the world's best guitar player. So the movie Crossroad kind of takes a spin on that because um, a classical musician boy who loves jazz, I mean, who loves blues, but plays classical music, wants to go down south so he like leave school like, in Juilliard. I don't know if you know Juilliard. Of course. Yeah, so he goes to Juilliard. Yeah, he goes to Juilliard and he like drops out of Juilliard to go down south to go uh, study under Robert Johnson, I'm pretty sure. Or go to where Robert Johnson had learned, um, where he sold his soul. So then, I don't know if you know Steve Vai, the guitar player. I've heard of Steve him, yep. 
he's a famous guitar player. He ends up being in the movie. That's a pretty cool story about um, the the intermingling of music genres. Yeah. But also how it plays into like uh, the myth of the guy selling his soul to the devil in order to become the best guitar. Because that actually is a myth that people believe. How far does someone go to be good? What will they do to be good? Become like you. I think it's becoming uncivilized to some degree. Yeah. That's- not, not like don't lonely break laws necessarily but if you know you gotta stay up a few extra hours and mm-hmm. the, you know, everyone says sleep six and you gotta sleep four maybe you should try sleep four maybe a night or two just try it out for the sake of becoming better you know i think it show movies are great when we do ask these questions and think about it and these great stories um come from it like breaking bad what would someone do in their you know when they're supposed, when they're told they're dying, right. how far will someone go to make themselves better? And then the deeper question is, you know, spoiler alert: with Breaking Bad, when Walter White breaks bad, was he always bad all along, or did his environment change him bad? Mm. It's a nature versus nurture story. That's why I get out of Breaking Bad, and that's what I think it's oh. one of the realest shows. And it's really deep. I think there's so many clues. And like how camera frames are set up and stories like that, where I always think Walter White was always this evil. Like there's a shot, if you mm. remember. Now, can I say you said you were up to the last season because this spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I pretty much seen it all. I pretty much seen it all. So there's um there's a scene when Jesse has to kill the old lads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse is sad. He's crying. He's feeling guilty. And there's a frame, the final with him holding the gun of his distraught face of he's about to kill someone. Walter White, there was a scene where he had to kill someone where it was easy. He did it nonchalantly. He almost was entertained by it. And again, with the same camera angle in the close up, you see him satisfied and contempt with his decision. That's your character development right there. That's, That's why I always true. think he was always bad because the dynamic was, was there the whole the whole show. He just needed his opportunity to show who he was. And that's why I think it's ironic when it concerns Breaking Bad. I don't think he was always bad. And, you know, there's a huge part of the finale I don't want to wow. give there. I also think that. But that's uh, I think that just shows, you know, who these people are and how these characters are developed, you know? That's, that's a crazy backdrop that definitely makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Because Jesse kind of had that, like, well, what are we doing here kind of vibe, you know? And kind of just kind of took the lead or whatever seemed like the most instant satisfaction. satisfaction. Yeah. That was going to get him his media goals, but, like. <laughs> what a show, it, man. Like, and I, that's just the power of really good movies and TV will enter anyone, entertain anyone of any age, man. It really will. Yo, let's talk about food real quick, Jet. Oh, yeah. You're making me like, hungry, man. Almost dinner time, son. Yeah, right? <laughs> Dude, Jeff, one of the f- amazing things you've done for me is put me on to the New York City uh, eatery, the Nugget Spot. Now I don't know are if they still made around. It. I'm gonna no. Google if they made it past the pandemic. You See, can the, you look it up real quick? The Nugget Spot out in the East Village on 14th Street. I hope so. Um, the Nugget Spot at this moment is permanently closed. Damn, bro. That made my heart sink reading that. Oh, no. 
It's tough, bro. Well, um, shit. Rest in peace. I mean, I, I it says here coming soon. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, maybe I think this is nine oh eight. Is that Queens? The Queens area code? Mm, no, no, no. Um, it could be somebody coming from another town coming in though with that number. Could be, could be. Um, a court. There's one coming out in Bellevue, New Jersey. Maybe that'll start it again. But shit, rest in peace. And I would pour one out to the stream of what's too valuable. <laughs> The Nugget Spot. Well, at well, one time, the Nugget Spot was an amazing <laughs> chicken nugget place again in the East Village, but it's oh, gone that's now. Crazy. You put me on, even if it was literally stupid expensive, but god damn. It was like $9 a nugget, but damn, uh, it was so good. So it was like not, not for air, each nugget. It was like $9 for like five nuggets. It was like yeah, more than a dollar uh, per nugget. It's, it's like, uh, like literally stupid, but so fucking good. That's that you fucking like money. Five, you know, twenty for five dollars at McDonald's, like. Yeah. But it's McDonald's, ask, bro. You know, like. How do you feel about food when it comes like that? Is it better quality over quantity? You I think like there's hidden gems. Are you somebody who will spend the extra few bucks for a great meal, or oh, yeah. not? Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. well, me personally, I think. um the feeling after eating is also important. Yeah. You eat something, you just feel like shit, like right after. Like, oh That's my why God. I've been, I had a real talk with myself at the end of the summer. I won't lie. I used to love fast food, man. And I still do. And I still support it. And it's especially clutch after the litmus. But I was like, man, you feel so awful after eating some of this stuff. It's time to I switch know. it up. Could cook your own food that's about the same price anyway. And, it's it's um, probably cheap. No, it's definitely cheaper. If you stack it up and you meal plan, bro, oh my God. You could buy like exactly. a box of eight burgers for like $12 that are that, all that's, like that's four meals right there. That's what I'm saying, man. And, that's doable. Yeah, it's funny you say that too. I bought some burgers. I went grocery shopping today and I'm going to try it. But I realized I forgot bun. So after I'm done here, I have to go pick some up. But um, anyways, (laughs) but yeah, food something real special. What are some of those other special foods that um, you have an impact, whether out in Cleveland, whether in Hartford, New York or the other places you've gone? Like, I don't know if it's a cheese shortage, some type of shortage. Is a cheese shortage? Uh, Um. Yeah, there's no no like people not doing dollar slices no more, bro. I did see that inflation's no really bad. You know, we hit a thirty year high in inflation. It was announced today. <sighs> yeah, I heard that. That's that's sad, man. The ninety nine cent know, slice, yeah, it's a novice at this point. Hopefully, we can be the the change that we need to see in this world. You know. Yeah, I learned about how ninety nine cent slices were a result of the, um. The recession back in 08 and I did not know that. know that I saw this vice story on it and yeah whether oh, you go to a two bros um other mistrust I've had not any nice slices I've had legit food poisoning from <laughs> and then I've wow, also had sorry. you know oh it's fine I just don't go there anymore and then um and then there's 99 slices like a two bros I could trust I was like okay my hunger is gone and I'm pretty satisfied with it Right, right. You know, but then it's like, what are you gonna do now? <laughs> What's next? That two seventy five, two slices in a coke deal. Because the thing in the past, right now. 
probably gonna be a lot worse, man. It's gonna be like 275 for the soda, and then it's gonna uh, be like 275 for, for the pizza. Oh my god. It's it's you're right. Is there yeah, any up, man. is there any like you know Cleveland pizza that competes or nah? Or is it different? It's different. It's different. Like it's um not not comparable. Yeah. Like you know, it's not. Uh, it's I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it in Cleveland. But I don't want to praise the wrong type of pizza. <laughs> so their pizza is good. I mean, it depends on where you go. You definitely can't just go to any pizzeria and have good pizza though. Yeah. That is a fact. You can't do that. You know what? One thing I fell in love with Jeff that I really didn't realize. If I have some extra dollars, why not do this and treat myself? Now you can't door dash these foods or pick it up, but go into a right. true steakhouse. Man, I went to Longhorn Steakhouse and I know it's a chain, but I went for the first time. Oh, but still, still. I mean, so satisfied. I had a beer, I had a really good Caesar salad. Hungry. <laughs> I had a nice New York strip. Medium ooh, rare, ooh, classy. And I did it with um, baked potato. Oh man, I was in heaven, bro. Real, real heaven. And I used to be an idiot and get steaks well done. Right. Yeah. But yep. I stopped. But I stopped. You, never, you probably never gave it a chance. That's I didn't why give it I a chance. It. Then I realized that juiciness and that humbling taste coming in your mouth. And yeah, you might have to spend 30 bucks, but you know what you treat yourself for it. Dude, it's crazy. That's like, I try to tell myself I'm not going to eat red meat, but damn, when you're talking about it. That is true. I have been more cautious in my red meat intake as well. But nothing beats it, man. You got to treat yourself. That's good, man. I might go to the steakhouse pretty soon, bro. I don't know. Nah, I'm telling you, this weekend. I nice graduate. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a great thing to celebrate for, Jeff. Mama Mia. How do you feel about desserts, bro? You like the pastries. You like the ice creams. You like the um, Italian nice, ice, the piraguas. What do you feel? What do you There's like? a nice ice cream store shop uh, called Mitchell's Ice Cream. It's like a chain yeah. Uh, Northeastern Ohio. I don't know if they have them. I doubt they have them. It's called Mitchell's. <laughs> that is crazy. I can't even. Everything they make is like Mitchell's ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Yeah, crazy. Oh my God. Mitchell's Absolutely ice cream. Insane. And it'll say the nearest one for me. Probably where? Homemade Maybe. ice cream. The Nick. There is one in New London, Connecticut. Oh. So that's well, all the way at the other side of the state. That's like close to uh, oh. um, Rhode Island. Valley Stream in Long Island's another one. Um, one in, yeah, they're really spread out. Oh, wow. They got several locations. I don't know. But anyway, they killing it, bro. That scene of making that ice cream. Did I eat that guy? Oh, my God. Bro, all this food made me hungry. Oh, you put a finger in the sky if you want it. Yeah, that's true. Put Damn, your this ice cream does look good. Yeah, Ooh. man, you should probably go get something to eat. Man. I, like I don't know. What do you eat? What do you usually eat for dinner? What's Where's your go-to? My go-to? Um, yeah, I've been really uh, eating some grilled chicken sandwiches lately. I've been feeling Ooh. like they kind of look like sliders. You know, above average look. Oh, I've yeah, been yeah, into yeah, those. Yeah. Uh, nothing beats a good burger. You know, from my Italian side, I love macaroni meatballs, ravioli meatballs. Um 
I love it. Really like a solid Good. Caesar, a fat Caesar salad with a lot of chicken in it and the croutons make it. Uh, I mean, how about some hibachi? I had a bocce for the first time oh my post, God. post pandemic. Uh, oh, okay. And man, that was that was soothing. But hear this. I asked for just steak and the chef accidentally gave me chicken and steak. Didn't charge me. Ooh, that's a win. Yeah. That's a, win -win. a nice solid taco, too. I've been really though it's not a healthier choice. But if you have a soft hard shell oh my god you're mm. fucking me up right now bro oh my god so i've been a more open to eating now especially when i started making drinks i've been more into cooking because a lot right, of these, yeah, got these to, you got to a lot of these channels share the same thing like the preppy kitchen does cocktails and drink and food the thing i showed you cooking with babish is my new favorite youtube channel where the guy makes That's dishes he makes That's dishes from tv shows like okay. stuff that never heard. Oh, like Krabby Patty kind of thing. I showed you a Krabby Patty, then the uh, Krabby Patty Supreme. He, had, if you remember that episode where he deep fried two double Krabby Patties on top of each other, and just ate pure drink mayo. Oh my He God. said he hated yeah, to admit know. it, but it was tasted great. But you know, <laughs> frying, frying burgers and lard and wolf. That's why they don't use it anymore. But oh my goodness. Uh, but it's so good though. Oh, you're making me hungry, man. When are you gonna eat? You oh. ate you eat dinner yet? No, after I'm done with you, I have to chef something up. You know, now for the rest of the time I'm living my at home, my mom said I'm not cooking for you anymore. Only when That's I feel like it. My mom does not cook for me anymore at all. I cook everything for myself. Yeah, I, I really don't yeah. mind it. I need to be an adult. So, um, you gotta just go to the supermarket with recipes. That's what you gotta do. It. You gotta yeah. pick recipes before you go and then just do it like that. Exactly. And now, because I've fallen in love with making drinks, to put two or two together with uh, making food now, it's uh, it's a good deal. Oh, yeah, man. dude, I gotta go to the store, get some stuff to go make some drinks and make some dinners pretty soon. Oh, man. Let me know what drinks but you need to make. Oh, I'm going to make some martinis, maybe some gin and tonics, maybe. Martinis are now you, when you do the martini, you're doing a true martini with gin, not I, vodka. Right, right. I do it with gin. I usually get some vermouth and mm -hmm. then I get a uh, Stir that shit together. Yeah, yeah limoncello. limoncello. That's a, oh yeah, I got a bottle. I got a bottle right here. Uh, Right over there. I would show you. Limoncello is like, limoncello, uh, some. Le Blanc is good to make Vespa martinis. I never heard of that one. What's that? That's the James Bond martini. It's a combination of gin and vodka with a Lillette Blanc. Show that shit together mm -hmm. with a lemon twist. And that's James Bond's uh, choice. Drink of choice. Uh, we got to see each other recipes, bro. I've been making a lot of coffees. I used to make coffee for really? like the present job. That was fun. Because then I got to practice flu mechanics and like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that worked out. Dude, you know what's uh, my favorite cocktail now? The what's White Russian. Honor? Really? You like I haven't not had one once. Yeah, I guess it depends on what milk you use, you know? Like Yes. Uh but pretty much vodka Kahlua and then um yeah, some people use regular milk, some people use creamer, some people use half and half. I use half and half. I'm gonna try oat milk. Oat milk? I've I haven't tried that yet, but any dairy product pretty much will make the white Russian. And then a black Russian is um when you don't put any milk, it's just vodka and Kahlua. But it, yeah, Drake making cocktails is fascinating. I'm gonna try that tonight. I'm gonna try the, that. The Black Russian? 
Yeah, no, no, the white rushes. Oh, the white rushes. Definitely, uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, do I make to try that with like oat milk or some shit or like a certain creamer? Yeah, we got a certain creamer. Yeah, let me show you uh, mine. For those who are listening, I'm showing Jeff a picture of the of a white Russian that I made right here. Uh, I'm showing you and the YouTube viewers can see right here. This is the one I made. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Back it up a little bit. Back it up. Back it up a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, right there, right there, right there. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and you got the logo right there with Cheetos, bro. You can't go wrong. Made it with Tito's. I have gotten this new vodka recently. I got a whole handle of it. It's called Sky Vodka. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, it's not I mean, Sky. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. I Let mean, it gets the job done. Just one second. Um, oh, not Sky. It's called Star Blue, as I'm showing Jeff my mm. big handle. <laughs> right. Careful that, buddy. Star Blue. I never heard of that shit, dude. Yeah, you know, one thing about take, making cocktails, unless you buy the absolute cheapest brand, you don't really need to go for a name brand specifically. If you're just making I mean, cocktails. it depends on the person, man. For me, yeah. I could take, like, for gin, I could take the difference between Tanqueray and Bombay and, like, Seagram's. Mm-hmm. Yep, I could taste the difference. I could taste the, it depends. But, you know, it depends on the person, you know? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? No, I'm saying it just depends on the person, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. How do you feel about cognacs, con- cognacs, like a Hennessy? Oh, I'm not a, I'm no. not a fan. No. Me, personally, I'm just not a fan. I know that people in the Bronx definitely... They love, the, they love their Hennies? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, they really do. I'm not. <laughs> Henny's, an ex- Henny's a very exclusive drink. They only For make no it one place in the world, and it's not oh, cheap. Yeah. It's not cheap, man. People really spend a lot of money for their henny. But hey, I mean, I, I mean, people spend more money on scotch too, though. I've been getting scotch. Scotch is like Johnny Walker scotch. No, like McCollin twelve year age scotch or like Glen Levitt twelve. Isn't it so like, fascinating how they make it, Ben? Like a twelve year old yeah. in the barrel. Oh my God, you got me thinking, bro. I should go get the bar. <laughs> oh, I go do that right now, dude. I don't know. After and is that like your specific go-to whiskey, Scotch? If I'm celebrating something, if I'm mm-hmm. celebrating, I feel like usually I just don't. I mean, usually I'll just make gin and tonics. Usually that's my yeah. like, or I'll drink gin a lot of the time. You're a gin person. Gin, yeah. I think, make great cocktails come out of gin. Your last words, your aviations, your martinis. Oh, aviations are great. Those yeah. Are Real run, dude. Uh, how how do you feel? I like whiskeys, whiskey sours. Obviously, it's the winter. It's whiskey season. Whiskey fixes, whiskey anything, man. And you know, probably the most popular cocktail right now is the espresso martini. I see people going crazy about those all over the place. What I make sick espresso with? Um, you ever heard of an Aeropress? I've heard A-E-R-O- of it. A e r o p r e s s. You heard that? I think I have. Yeah. It's how you make espresso shots without an espresso machine. No way. Yeah, it's just a you put a cold brew or espresso, Kahlua, and then Tito's. Or I mean, I, I use Tito's, but it's a vodka-based drink. And um, you know, go crazy, my friends, go crazy. And then of course your uh, tequila. People love their tequila and their tequila cocktails. Just depends on the occasion. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it really, just depends on the occasion, man. Celebrate good times. Come on. 
<laughs> oh yeah, dude. Uh, Jeff, you and I have been killing it for a half an, an hour and a half. It feels you like you want to hit it with the part two later. Oh, we'll you definitely wanna... be doing more podcasts as long as you want to do it. Yeah, as long as I don't have technical difficulties, man. Oh my goodness. Sorry about that. <laughs> no oh, yeah, worries. We'll You're just making me so hungry with these. Oh my goodness. No For those worries. Out there, just warning. Listen to this on a full stomach, but it's probably too late by this point, right? right. <laughs> There's <laughs> just, just one last thing I have to do with you, Jeff. And it's a. Uh, I ended yeah. off with everybody's first appearance. We do the yeah. house questionnaire. Ten questions okay. I ask every person. All right. And it was. It's designed to help understand the person the best. But it's made famous from inside the actor studio. That's where I got it from. Ooh, okay, and right. um, I'd like to ask you these ten questions, and then yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. say go, goodbye. Go, go hard, go, go hard, or go home. And Jeff, with the absolute great topics of discussion we have talked about, your fascinating brain. This is going to be a really great prowse questionnaire. So let's, let's get see, let's to see, it. Let's see. Let's get it. Let's get the money. Jeff, my first question is: What's your favorite word? Oh. Right. Favorite word, singular word, favorite word, like one word, one word that's your favorite perseverance, perseverance. Love that's it, my, man. One of my favorite words. What's your least favorite word? Oh, hate. Damn right. I hate, I hate the word hate. Now, Jeff, this next question is not necessarily a sexual question, only for the people with the awful minds who think of it that way. Right, right, right. This question is more of a life and fulfillment question. Okay. My question to you is what turns you on in this world? Oh, you, you know, what's the my answer says every time. You know, that's a question I ask myself all the time. And yeah. it's outliving my lifetime. Yeah. Once I die, I, I don't want to die. Yeah, I'm not fear. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of dying and not being remembered. You want to be a legend, man. Right. That's that's what that's what keeps me going every day. And inspire. I think you're definitely on the right track for that. You help me out, bro. Knuckle knuckle pound. (laughs) No, man. Knuckle pound. What turns you off in this world? What do I offer? No. What turns you off in this world? Oh. Honestly, I hate to admit it, but like my generation right now is just not, they don't want to work for nothing. I hate that. <laughs> like, I get it that maybe, you know, think you, maybe you don't deserve the situation you were given. Okay. But now it's up to you to do something about it. Like you didn't ask for it. Okay. Sorry. But now it's up to you to see what you do after the fact. So that's, that gets me uh, upset because it's very hard to get somebody out of that mindset. You know, it's very hard. Powerful, man. Absolutely powerful. Number five is what sound or noise do you love? Oh, I love that. It has to be, or I guess it's open, open-ended, right? Yeah. What sound or noise do I love? Honestly, I think it's the sound of new guitar strings, like fresh new guitar strings. Ooh. It has a certain twanginess to it i guess depends on the strings but the ones i like have a certain uh feeling after like probably for about two weeks and then it kind of goes away it's kind of like a new like i, I don't know so, you know how certain people focus on the car door slamming sounds yes kind of like that <laughs> for those non-guitar players out there i hear you i hear you so my next question is what turns you what sound or noise do you hate mm, uh definitely there's a few but 
I really don't like any low frequency noise, meaning any rumbling noises like like subways underground or like a large truck passing by. Things like that who would give like low rumbles yeah. or like a plane far away. That is the hardest to solve because there's actually a problem in noise that still needs mitigation. Like we still need to figure out what we're going to do about that. Because right now we it's just like in order to block it, you need more material. But for example, on a jet engine, they charge you more based off. That's why you have to have. That's why you have a fifty pound bag limit because you can't have unlimited weight on the plane. Mm-hmm. So, in order to mitigate all the sound, if we had unlimited weight, we could do it, but we don't. So, this one trying to say the most annoying sound. I guess you could say it's aircraft noise. Yeah. <laughs> you ever been in a plane? Oh my god, they're terrible. They sound terrible. Yeah, man. The the ears popping. It's uh. Giving us something to think about. That's why we appreciate you, Jeff. So my next question for you is what's your favorite curse word? Oh. Uh, I would probably. I don't want to say the F word because it has too many meanings. It's like too much. That's like too much. Yeah. I don't need that. But. Something went like, excuse my friend, I guess I could curse. My, I love saying when something is a pain in the ass. Like that is, <laughs> like going through mile 20 is a pain in the ass. Like on a mile 23, like, and you only did 13 miles before, so it's yeah. a pain in the ass. Like, but like, that's kind of what makes things worthwhile. If it is easy, why do it? Damn right, Jeff. Damn right. So what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? There's so many out there. Um, so one of them would probably be dog trainer, dog walker. Mm-hmm. The other one would be chess grandmaster. And then the other one would be ultra marathon runner, probably. Like if I could run full time, I mean, I'd be hard. I don't know. Anybody runs full time. You really got to be broke. But <laughs> I don't know. What you, what do you do? I guess you run, you run races to get money. But yeah, it'd probably be. Um, but actually, if it was not my own number one musician, it'd be back to my roots, just playing guitar hero songs. But that were my own musician. Powerful. I like that. And hey, I think you specifically can still pull this stuff. Right. This That's stuff what I'm off. saying. And, you know, the second I say I can't, I won't. That's why I'm still a musician. You know, if you write, do one line of math, guess what? You're a mathematician. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. So number eight. Mm-hmm. Nice link, dude. I I just sent you a link from The Wire. You've seen that scene before about how to play chess? All right. I'll give you some final words once we sign off. But please, Jeff, once we're done, please watch that. First thing I'll do. First thing I'll do. That it's a. will explain once we're finished with this question. Number eight. Sorry, number nine. What profession would you not like to do? Oh, a politician. (laughs) <laughs> anything in politics it's like I would love to in theory but we all know it doesn't go down like that you're damn right that's one of the most powerful things I've ever heard on the podcast in theory we'd like to but we know it doesn't go down like that <laughs> my final question before we say goodbye Jeff is if heaven exists what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates what would I like to hear or what do I think you, I would be told? Or you would like what to, I would like to hear. Yeah. What would what, you like to hear? What I, what I would like to hear is what happened to everybody else who died before me. 
Mm-hmm. That would be a question. Because is there a population cap in heaven or what? What's good with that? Mad people die. So many people I'd like die to think it. not. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, oh, not full. We capped at 30 billion. Like, oh, <laughs> no, but I, I guess my question is um, how should we personify God? Mm-hmm. How should we perceive it? I think the second we, we say he is God or she is, like, it's like almost like a dog will know if you come home at three o'clock and go to the park with the dog every day mm-hmm. at that time is going to know, okay, at that time I'm going to the park, but it never, had, it never once thinks, Oh, it's 3 PM. Does it count the time? It just knows. It just from, feels that's like my cat always wanted to go outside at night specifically. Right. So it's like, they have something that they, that tells them, but they will never see our level of perception. And I guess in the same way, we will never be able to see God in the way that, he probably sees us like dogs will never see the world. We see animals. All animals will never be. No animal is going to make poetry. No animal is going to make an economic model. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so what is going on there? It's like they have, they're thinking about other things that are not directly related to survival. Yeah. And that's, we don't have to think about all of that. So what is that level of abstraction for God? And that's what I would ask. What's up with that, bro? <laughs> Now that's profound, man. Or homegirl, you know, or ball of light, or what do I call (laughs) you? You know what I'm saying? Are you they, or you're probably all of them. Right. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. What a question, man. (laughs) Jeff, this was everything I wanted and more. This was really sweet. We had a great origin story. We debated on topics. We got deep everything I wanted in a productive conversation, man. And I learned a lot from it. I really appreciate every second. You have any final words? No, just thank you so much for having me. And thank you to listeners. Anyone who's listening out there. So one thing I want to tell anybody, I feel like, you know, you probably hear different inspiring stories or motivating stories. Um, or whatever, whatever grinds your gears, go after it. Don't let anybody tell you, you can't do it. Cause man and I are living proof why you can do anything you want as well. That's all I want to say. Could have said any better, Jeff. Check out that clip I sent you. It's from the show The Wire on how to play chess with a very young Michael B. Jordan. Ooh. Like really young, like teenager. Michael yeah, B. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to see that. I got to see that. Just three minutes and 30 seconds, and it gets real deep about how important that game is. Jeff, I love you, bro. Thank you so to, much for that, bro. I hope you come back. I really want you to come back. And... um. Yeah, dude, this was this was incredible. This is incredible. You want to come back on the show again? A thousand percent, dude. Anytime. We're winning, man. I think a lot of audience members are going to be really happy to hear that. Like I said, I love you, bro. Thank you so much for this. And we'll see you real soon. Thank you, Jeff. Love you too, fam, bro. Be safe out there. Whatever you do, just work your hardest, man. Great words from the great Jeff Severino. You're the man. God bless you. Keep inspiring in us. And I will see you very, very soon. Everything we wanted and more. Jeff Severino, thank you so much for taking the time, man. This was really a special show. Love you, dog. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at Pod. We're 
on TikTok at Productive Conversation. So we're back on Thursday, the 18th, show 100, 120, and we're going to do another NBA show for you all. So we're going to break down how the first month of the season has unfolded. What do we like? What do we don't like? What are we surprised by? What are we disappointed with? And then some. So, of course, we're going to bring back the crew, Bach, Renelio, and Dolo Ren, and hopefully the return of Bars the God. But until then, I hope everybody has a special week, a good week. I still have big adult moves that we continue making, but hopefully I'll be able to announce what those big moves are very soon. So stay tuned for that. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you again for Jeff Severina for coming in. Thank Thank you, the greatest fans and listeners, for making this possible. And let's have a great week, everybody. I love and appreciate every single one of you. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. And I will see you on Thursday. Peace.